Welcome to Agency Nation Radio, where insurance professionals share unscripted stories about leadership, technology, and marketing in the independent agency system. Earlier this week, the Big Eye launched the Inclusive Agency Training Series, a four-part training series designed to help agencies gain a competitive advantage through diversity, equity, and inclusion, both in the marketplace and through their workforce. I'm joined by Dr. Leroy Nunnery II, Back in 2018, in participation with the National African American Insurance Association, insurance broker Marsh commissioned Dr. Nunnery to publish The Journey of African American Insurance Professionals, a groundbreaking study that sought to understand why Black Americans are underrepresented in the insurance industry and what insurers, brokers, agents, and other stakeholders can do about it. The widely praised study uncovered some eye-opening statistics about the Black experience in insurance and has been used as a resource throughout the industry. Since then, Dr. Nunnery has played an important role in championing diversity in American business. In 2021, he was named president of Evolution Advisors, which provides financial services for minority-owned businesses, is a joint venture of Acrisure, Super Bowl champion quarterback Russell Wilson, Grammy award-winning singer-songwriter Ciara, and nine-time NBA All-Star Russell Westbrook. Russell Westbrook even went as far as calling Dr. Nunnery a proven leader with a track record for results, which is quite the compliment. Now, Dr. Nunnery has again teamed up with Naya and Marsh to publish The Next Steps on the Journey, Has Anything Changed?, which came out last month. Dr. Nunnery, thank you so much for joining us. It's a privilege to interview you for Agency Nation. I'm excited to talk to you about the new study. But first, the study that you released five years ago, The Journey of African-American Insurance Professionals. Why was it such an important study for the industry and what were some of the key findings? Well, William, thank you so much for being invited to speak to Agency Nation. I'm a huge fan of of the Big Eye and Whitney Dillard, particularly, who now has an even greater role in shaping how that association works with agents and carriers and the industry to make sure that it is inclusive. And the reason I go there, not just because I I think the world of Whitney, but also because the study, the first study was the first time that we were aware of that anyone actually captured the both psychographic, qualitative and quantitative issues that motivate an individual to a join the industry b stay in the industry and c succeed in it and particularly because they were people of color often underrepresented most often ignored they lack promotion they lack opportunities that even though they had accumulated years of experience And because of the kind of his history major in me, I clawed back as far as I could to the late 1600s to find evidence of the first type of insurance companies, mutual benefit or burial societies amongst enslaved Africans here in America. And I think that's really what struck me is that there is a genetic coding in us to care for each other and for our communities which is essentially what insurance is. So being able to go there was important. And clearly the things we found about mistakes being a hindrance, you know, if you happen to do something wrong and it it kind of disrupts your career, not just is treated as a learning moment, that sometimes the obstacles have become overwhelming. 
which really speaks to psychological safety and uh, the emotional tax that black professionals and uh, minorities often have to bear in their careers, but also the multiple strategies that people can start to employ to get exposure, to get access, and this will sound familiar to your agents, to self-perpetuate so that you can create a legacy even based on your career. So this study has proven to be something that I'm proud of and lead the groundwork for the Next Step study, which was just completed last year. Yeah, so, you know, that most recent study, the Next Steps on the Journey, it identified the murder of George Floyd as the catalyst for centering conversations on race. And it said the insurance industry has responded with a host of new initiatives to address disparities. Why was the murder of George Floyd such a turning point? And what did the most recent survey say has changed in the insurance industry since then? You know, William, the thing that was so fascinating to me, again, I'm just pulling up my history major bona fides, was that even though the first study was published, uh, you know, released in 2018, a couple of years had passed, things were in motion, particularly within the insurance space individuals were reading it, companies were reading it, they were starting to form ERGs, et cetera, et cetera. But George Floyd, on top of COVID, the pandemic, created this groundswell that I must say was totally unforeseen because now we were not only essentially trapped in our homes and could watch what happened to George Floyd, the violence against him on our screens and it was broadcast everywhere globally because a pandemic essentially affected all of us but it was also the most symbolic sign that these disparities constantly play out in our lives even if all you're doing is transacting a small piece of business on any given day and i think that incident if you will civil commotion that it caused, as carriers will describe it, struck home with a lot of people that this could not only happen to me, but it was the most obvious and clear example of the life threat, the ultimate risk. And so it kind of interpolating from that and interpreting that into career trajectories. Well, am I at risk if I step out of line Am I at risk if I don't agree with my boss on something? Am I even seen or am I maybe not physically pummeled, but psychologically held back, even if I can contribute? So I think George Floyd's murder was a triggering event um, that still has ripple effects to this day. Yeah, I think yeah, the, those ripples are definitely seen in in lots of businesses with some changes of some you know diversity, equity, and inclusion initiatives. But you know, there were the study outlined some improvements, but you know, a lot of problems seem to remain. Uh, according to that study, eighty-four um, percent of respondents remarked that they continue to encounter obstacles in their career because of either mm-hmm. conscious or unconscious racial bias. And then compared to the first study, a higher percentage of survey participants marked racial and gender bias as a top barrier to entry to the insurance industry. Can you tell us a little bit about how racial bias manifests itself in the workplace and maybe some potential reasons behind those statistics that I highlighted there? Well, you can tell by any number of things, a number of claims for harassment and 
and discrimination that are filed with the EEOC, the Equal Employment Opportunities Commission. That's probably at one extreme because that means somebody has decided that they're really going to formalize their, their case and procure the services of an attorney. But the, the microaggressions that now has become term of art in terms of what you say to me and how you say it and whether or not I'm left off of an email thread or out of a meeting that could in fact be important, but also where I could add something and yet someone decides is not important to include that other person. The access points, and it's not just, you know, the golf country clubs or the, you know, the swimming clubs or the social organizations, but the way insurance works is so driven by relationships that if in fact you are left at the perimeter, if in fact you can get to the perimeter, you often feel as well, I won't be as successful. And it's so again, it may not be a physical assault. It may often be just the practices and the mores that others have. Now, by the way, we also try to make sure that in both versions of the study, we're trying to drive individuals to take up the mantle and not feel as though they are defenseless, right? It's really important that everybody recognizes they have a voice in, in their own um, futures and they can self-advocate because that's on, the only way. The movements will be the movements, but they begin and then they ebb. What's really going to be sustainable is an individual saying, no, I want to do something. And here's the data now in two studies and others that support my reason for um, asking for more opportunity. And then, you know, as I mentioned at the beginning of the show, the Big Eye just launched the Inclusive Agency Training Series, which is open for registration at independentagent.com forward slash inclusive agency. But based on your research, can you share a few best strategies that agencies and other businesses can use to create an inclusive workplace to prevent some of the things that you mentioned there from happening? Well, I think, you know, first and foremost, to make sure that they, you know, agency owners, agency leaders actually take the pulse of their employees and those, their associates, you know, we go beyond just whether or not you've produced today and what, you know, what type of um, business they've done for the day, but how are they doing? And I know this is something that we brought to the diversity council in terms of again the emotional intelligence that must go into this work so i think that's one aspect of it literally taking the pulse of your folks and exchanging information ideas remember you've got a lot of people who over the last couple of years have joined into the industry but maybe have never met their colleagues because of covid they've all been on screens you know far removed from that personal connection so i think the importance for managers, owners, leaders, is to crack through those barriers and make sure people feel joined on. But there's another aspect to it, and that is, you know, how you treat customers, whether or not you will write business in areas or neighborhoods that you might otherwise stay away from. Will you do something different in terms of your approach, putting your brochures or websites into multiple languages, trying to reach people where they are? 
And that's what we're doing at Evolution Advisors with Acrosure being the parent is trying to crack through that to say, look, you know, this is good business. We should, you know, we just have to find the way to reach people. So I think that's the first and foremost, but there's got to be an intention to do it. It can't just be performative. That won't work and it will not be perpetuated. Um, so I think, the, you know, somebody's got to make a decision that this is right for me and I'm going to do it regardless of what the cost is. Yeah, I think uh, there's quite a few businesses out there that have made the mistake of it uh, appearing performative. But, you know, internally for the agency and, you know, sort of attracting and retaining black employees, I noticed in the study that mentorship was a difficulty cited by respondents. Um, do you have any advice for how employers can instigate a mentorship program? Well, I think, you know, what's fascinating to me is that people feel that they've got to create some superstructure Sometimes it's as easy, and I think about my career over four decades now, William, of somebody just taking me to lunch um, or I taking them to lunch, you know, a cup of coffee, um, you know, playing golf or just being able to talk about what's going on outside of work. It's dialogue, but it's also level of contact. But if a company, if an agency does want to launch a mentorship program, there are some tools out there that, you know, I won't, I won't go into any specific names, uh, but the main thing is making sure that you create safe spaces so that a mentee, normally somebody who is junior, and a mentor, normally somebody who is more senior in experience, have the freedom to talk about whatever it is is on their mind and it's not regulated and it's not measured. I've created mentoring programs over the last couple of years for a couple of different organizations. And that was ground rule number one, that we not over legislate or over regulate those discussions. They are confidential. Um, they are between two individuals. There'll be good information sharing. But we also don't want mentees to expect that once they get a mentor, that means they'll automatically get more money or be promoted. This is supposed to be about passing on culture and information at the same time, not about what you get as an outcome. Excellent. And yeah, I'll definitely encourage our readers to, to go and read the next steps on the journey. Has anything changed? Because there's plenty of other strategies in there, um, you know, particularly in terms of which I think can be applied to, you know, attracting and retaining diverse employees. So just my last question, really, do you have any other advice for what businesses can do to attract and retain a, a diverse workforce? Well, I think there's a huge issue right now that insurance and I know some folks have heard me say that the industry has a brand equity problem, a brand awareness problem. Because if you talk to young people, if they're in risk management programs, well, they, of course, are more drawn to it. They've already made a choice about where they want to direct their careers. But if you take the general liberal arts student, insurance doesn't pop up as a high priority. So first and foremost, the industry through its distribution channels like agencies and brokers needs to do a better job of reaching out and explaining why this industry is so compelling. It's why after 
already working for, again, four decades, I joined on. I'm fascinated by this business and how much it is integral to the entire economy. And so I think we need to do more speaking about it, get more exposure. Programs like Invest that the big eye has is essential. Risk management clubs, which are, are starting to pop up. I mean, that's how you get in front of young people to explain not only the business, but connect it to STEM and connect it to financial literacy, or as somebody, a professor in risk management just told me this morning, financial acumen. Because what we know is that especially these next generations are going to have a harder time acquiring that first home, saving money the same way we have, et cetera. And they may be carrying a ton of student debt. So financial literacy and financial acumen and insurance are really a, a powerful tools for them to become more stable and to have brighter futures. I think we've got to demystify the industry a great deal in order to make sure that people are attracted to it, but they also can use their skills in technology, marketing, HR, and bring those to the table. It's going to be a competition for the best talent. And I think we're getting some, but when, you know, with Insurance Careers Month being this month, but we're not getting enough of the right talent to propel forward. So there's a challenge to everybody to do that. Excellent. And yeah, I certainly agree with you. I think this is an absolutely wonderful industry. Uh, but no, I think we're all out of time. So you know, thank you so much for joining us, Dr. Nunnery. Thank you, sir. I appreciate the opportunity to do it. And I hope everyone does well. Thank you. Wonderful. Well, the Big Eye Inclusive Agency Training Series is now open for registration. Again, it's a four-part training series designed to help your independent agency proactively embrace diversity and inclusion to cultivate a competitive advantage in the marketplace. Go to independentagent.com forward slash inclusive agency for more information. Also, if you've enjoyed today's podcast, hit that subscribe button. And if you're feeling extra generous, leave us a five-star review. Thank you for listening.